three common statistics snafus in weight science. This is the Weight and Healthcare Newsletter Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please consider subscribing and or sharing at weightandhealthcare.com. In my work around weight science and healthcare, I see a lot of confusion about and misuse of statistics. Today, I thought I would point out three of the most common issues that I experience. First, sure, intentional weight loss fails 95% of the time. You just have to keep trying until you're in the 5%. I know not everyone took statistics, but I did. So let me assure you that this isn't how statistics work on the most basic level. Remember that this is the logic that many people use when playing the lottery. In fact, weight loss is worse than the lottery in this respect because repeated attempts can actually have decreasing odds of success. The body responds to weight loss attempts by changing physiologically to become a weight-gaining, weight-maintaining machine, which it continues to do even after the diet ends. This can make repeated attempts even less likely to result in significant long-term weight loss. Moreover, many people regain more than they lost, meaning that if they or their healthcare provider, had a specific weight or BMI in mind, they may end up farther from it than they started. Not to mention that, quote, failure, being clear that the diet has failed the patient, not the other way around, is not benign. Weight cycling, losing weight and then gaining it back, is linked to significant harm, including health issues that get blamed on being higher weight. The second issue is, but it's statistically significant. In the most simplified explanation, If a study result is statistically significant, it means that it's more likely that the result was caused by the study intervention than by chance. So, participants could have lost an average of one pound, but if it's determined that it's more likely that the one pound loss was due to the weight loss intervention being studied than by chance, then that one pound loss is statistically significant. There are a couple of ways this goes wrong. Sometimes people either think that statistically significant means important, or they hope other people will think that's what it means, so they'll say that a result in a study was statistically significant without mentioning that the actual effect, the amount of weight loss for example, was very small. One might say insignificant. Something else that happens with weight science is that the conclusion of a study, which is often the only part that is not behind a paywall, will state the participants lost, quote, a significant amount of weight, when what they really mean is that they lost a small amount of weight, but that the weight loss was statistically significant. Whether accidentally or on purpose, due to the colloquial meaning of significant, this misleads people, including healthcare practitioners, to believe that the intervention was far more successful than it actually was. So the conclusion might say that subjects lost a significant amount of weight when, if you get behind the paywall and dig into the study, you'll find that they lost 2.9% of their body weight and often had already started regaining it when the study ended. The third issue is percent increase of complication risk versus percent of complication risk. Many healthcare procedures have risks of complications. Typically, and again, this is a simplified explanation, the decision to treat is based on the benefits of the treatment versus the risk of the procedure. The same procedure may have different risk of complications for people with different circumstances. For example, people with hemophilia can have a higher risk of bleeding during surgery and a higher risk of poor wound healing and infection immediately following surgery than those who do not have hemophilia. 
To be clear, I'm not suggesting that higher risk justifies denial of care, and I'm giving the most simplified possible view of this in the service of just explaining the statistical issue. It gets very complicated, and everything from the methodology of the research used to determine the risk of complications to the structure of privilege and oppression that leads some people's lives to be valued more highly than others. Complication risk is often used as the so-called justification for BMI-based healthcare denials, wherein healthcare is held hostage for a weight loss ransom. I recently encountered an example of the issues with confusing these when I received an email from a patient who was facing a BMI-based denial of surgery. The surgeon insisted that there was a 100% complication rate for the procedure for people with a BMI over 40. This wasn't my understanding and it didn't strike me as likely, so I did some digging. It turns out there was absolutely no research to back the 100% complication claim, but there was some research that showed that for people with a BMI over 40, the risk of complication increased by 100%. Herein lies the issue. A 100% increase in the risk of complication is absolutely not the same as a 100% risk of complications. The base risk of complications for this procedure was 1%, meaning that on average, 1 out of 100 people who have the procedure will experience complications. A 100% increase of a risk of complications of 1% gives us a risk of complications of 2%, meaning that on average, for people with a BMI over 40, 2 out of 100 who have the procedure, not 100 out of 100 as the surgeon thought, will experience complications. I also want to point out that when those of higher weight or BMI experience higher complication rates, there is a tendency to assume that body weight is the problem when, in fact, the problem may well be a system, research, tools, training, best practices, biases, etc., that is created for thin bodies and fails to equally support fatter bodies, but that's a subject for another post. Statistics help us make sense of data in ways that can be incredibly helpful. That said, it is certainly true that statistics can be manipulated, and so we always need to be asking questions about who designed the analysis and for what purpose, and be on the lookout for these common issues. These certainly aren't the only issues. If you have examples you'd like to share or questions about stats you'd like me to write about, please feel free to leave them in the comments. Did you find this helpful? You can subscribe for free to get future posts delivered direct to your inbox or choose a paid subscription to support the newsletter and podcast and get special benefits. Go to weightandhealthcare.com and click subscribe.